0: Welcome back to the Breath of Heaven Podcast. Father, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for your presence, and I thank you for peace that surpasses all understanding. I thank you for shift in seasons. I think that's true for some tonight. And Lord, we just pray that you would get the gear all the way into the next Or the shifter all the way into the next gear. In your timing, God. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. So my 7th grade science teacher was a crazy woman. But I mean that in the best way possible. Her name was Mrs. Smith. And she was the teacher... I think I may have shared a little bit about this lady once before in another message, but... She was the teacher who would plan a field trip, uh, call it science, and we would all go jet skiing at the beach. And then after we spent the entire day, like four or five hours jet skiing, by the way, in seventh grade, no seventh grader should be trusted with a jet ski. And we spent the whole day jet skiing. And then at the very end of the day, we would pick up shells and call it science. She was awesome. (laughs) Somehow we ended up doing a a canoe trip that I almost died on, but that's a story for another day. We did a canoe trip where we spent all day canoeing, and I really have no idea where the science was other than me almost dying. So that was an experiment for me. Um, But yeah, she was a crazy, super fun lady. And for me, a kid who had, uh, I guess like ADD, a hard time paying attention, she made school really fun and enjoyable to pay attention to. And so, one of the stories I will never forget from Ms. Smith was she told us a story about when she first got her license, she got what is now a vintage, but then probably would have been not quite so old, a a VW Bug. The cool years, before the newer ones came out and they kind of ruined the way that they look. And so, she would tell this story to teach us science, and she would explain how she was super poor, didn't have much money for fuel, so what she would do is she would get in her little bug, get on the highway, and get as close as she could behind a semi-truck, put it in neutral, and turn it off so she could save gas. So if any of you guys have ever heard of the term drafting, if you do sports, this is really popular in like cycling and other like fast movement sports, but what happens is, there's a, if you've ever driven a pickup truck or ridden in the back of it, you know what this feels like, but there's like a tunnel of air that comes off of a vehicle And it will basically, like, come over and pull, in essence, something that's in front of it. So she would get behind a semi-truck, put it in neutral, turn it off, and essentially be able to, like, coast and draft the truck as far as the truck would take her so she didn't have to waste gas. Which, by the way, I would not recommend. I never tried it. I also didn't have a car small enough to try it with. But it was a really interesting story to me, and just being able to have those kind of visualizations to me, helped school move along much, much quicker and more enjoyable. Couple things to note about drafting. She did it because she was poor, or didn't have money for fuel, so there was a necessity for her to get where she needed to go. It wasn't just for fun. It was actually kind of her way of like bumming off of someone else and, and needing to get somewhere. Number two. Uh, she was able to rest and follow wherever the truck went. Essentially, as long as she didn't hit him or get out of the wind tunnel, she was fine. Number three, wherever the truck went, consequently, she went. So I've been, I've been meditating on uh, the Beatitudes and reading tonight, if you guys have your Bibles. Any of you guys bring your Bibles tonight or have glowing Bibles? Sweet. If you want to go to Matthew chapter 5, we're going to basically stick on one verse and then we're going to read a little bit in Isaiah. So Matthew chapter 5 verse 3 says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." I'm going to read it again. "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I've meditated on this for a long time and really just asking the question what does it mean to be poor in spirit? You know, there's a common belief that in order to follow the Lord, I'm not saying that any of us believe it, but it's a common belief that in order to follow the Lord, really, you need to become poor. You need to deny yourself of any earthly pleasure or earthly gain and you need to follow him humbly and poor when it comes to material things. And it's obviously we know that we shouldn't be like overly possessive or materialistic, but I think that being poor in spirit is a little bit of a different topic than being poor financially. And I was listening to a podcast or something, I don't know, some message or or group of people talking, and I heard someone say this and it kind of struck me and it was the thing that I kind of want to base tonight off of. And what they said was, being poor in spirit is the entry point to discipleship. Being poor in spirit is actually the entry point to being able to be a follower of Jesus. You know, it is when you're at the end of yourself that you can truly begin to follow Jesus. A lot of times we feel like we've kind of hit the end of our rope. Um, That's a common phrase. That we... Are all out of options, or we have pushed and we pushed and we pushed, and we have nothing left to give. And I think that's actually the place that we have the capability to follow. You can't follow if you're trying to lead, right? So I can't say, Stan, I'm going to follow you, and then walk ahead of him. I have to be willing to submit my life to Stan. So, what would make me want to submit my life to Stan in his leadership? would be seeing something in him that I want to grow in, seeing something in him that I desire, that I realize I don't have on my own, but maybe with the help of a mentor or someone else that I can lean into, I can find the thing that Sam possesses. So when we do this with our spirit, right, it's when usually we get to the very end of our ability to figure it out on our own that we actually lean into the heart of Jesus. I don't know if that's true for any of you, In fact, it actually has to be true for you if you're saved here tonight. (laughs) So how does this tie into the, the topics that we normally talk about, aside from just being poor in spirit? Isaiah 66, verse 1. I read this scripture all the time because it is one of the core scriptures and purposes of why we gather on Fridays. And it says, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. Where then is a house you could build for me, and where is a place that I may rest? For my hand made all these things, thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But to this one I will look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit, and who trembles at my word. The word contrite can be defined as feeling or showing sorrow and remorse for a sin or a shortcoming. In other words, broken. It's when you've come to a place of being broken in spirit. When we are at the end of ourselves, we are able to give God the leadership of our lives. The reason this has stood out to me so much is... For one, I'll say this. One of the things that I have learned since beginning to preach uh, in the last six months or so is that I think that pastors or people who teach the Word often, like, you ever wonder how they, they stumble upon the topics that they do or why they teach the things that they do? Maybe if you've not taught, you haven't thought about that, but I've pondered that a lot. Like, why does this person talk about these topics so much? And I think it's two things. I think, one, it's... The things that burn in their heart, the thing that's in their DNA, like for me, that's hosting God's presence. That is like the most important thing in my life, is honoring Jesus and hosting his presence well. So for me, that is the thing that burns in me. But then number two is when you know the people that you serve and you know the people that you do life and community with, you actually start to kind of like sense and pick up on what your family, what your friends, what your community is going through. And if I can just be really honest tonight, I sense both in myself, in seasons, uh, as of recent, and even in our community here, just sometimes the feeling of like brokenness. Like I kind of feel like I'm at the end of myself a little bit right now. And so what I want to encourage us and exhort us in tonight is that that's actually a really good place to be with the Lord. You know, I think a lot of times, especially in our culture and the way that church Uh, Especially if you're not a part of a community, if you're just watching church online or you're taking things in from a distance, it's always like, be this, do that, live this way, uh, put on the face, make it happen. And honestly, like the brokenness is what Jesus really longs for. It's when you come to him and go, I don't have it together and I need you to make this thing work. I think this is honestly a continual process of we pick it up, we feel good and we feel strong and then we find ourselves in a season of need. And I think when we find ourselves in a season of need, we feel like we messed something up or something slipped off track or we lost something somewhere. I don't know why I feel like crying, but I think that, okay, I feel like this is for a few of us tonight. If God wanted you to have it all together, he would have made you perfect. There's something that happens in desert seasons that can't happen when everything feels perfect and flows the way that we want it to flow. There's something in a desperation of, I can't do it, I feel lost, I feel maybe even alone, and I really, 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 really need you, God. I miss you. I miss the way it felt to walk with you close. It's actually a really beautiful place to be. Jesus doesn't force you to follow force you to follow him. He invites you. You can't follow Jesus out of obligation and do it well. You actually can't do relationship out of obligation. Doesn't work. It's fake from the beginning. True relationship only happens in a willing heart that desires the other. The best leaders follow a greater authority. They actually lead from a place of dependency. And I would say this too don't follow anyone who isn't following Jesus. I've been perplexed over the years of watching friends of mine follow leaders that were the loudest in the room, that seemed to be maybe the most passionate or walk with the most authority, and they followed them right off of cliffs. Be careful who you are influenced by. They will either lead you closer to or farther from the heart of God. Whether it's content that you take in, whether it's the culture around you, mentors, friendships, you name it. If that person's heart is not set after the Lord, they're going to pull you farther from him. I had a friend of mine who lives in a different city and I was visiting him and... uh, hanging out. He's a musician. He's a worship leader, and he serves at a church, and they were struggling a ton with their leadership. They're having issues with their pastor. Um, it's one of the churches where you kind of vote people in and out. I didn't grow up in those churches. Y'all got a, we got a ton of them here. I've now been around it, but that's not the kind of culture I grew up in, uh, so it was weird to me that you could just vote a pastor out if you didn't like a sermon a couple times, um, but it was a church like that, and so this guy is in place, and he's starting to make some bad decisions. They didn't have a better option, and I guess the associate pastor wasn't a good enough preacher, so they kept him in place because of his his ability to articulate the words in Scripture. And so they were really struggling, and we're just kind of hanging out talking, and my friend's kind of distraught. And I said, well, did you guys pray as a leadership about what to do? And he looked at me completely dumbfounded. And he was like, oh no. I said, bro, you didn't like... You guys don't pray about what you're doing as you lead this church? He said, well, that's not really how we do things. And I was like, what are you guys doing? I don't understand. Like, who leads this thing? It made it obvious why there's leadership issues. And leadership issues happen, but... Realizing that their whole core leadership wasn't even following the Lord in the first place. It was all about doctrine and, and teaching uh, the latest hermeneutical study of Scripture. A king trusts his kingdom to the people that live under his leadership. God trusts his church to a people that lead out of dependency on him. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I had a friend when I was a kid who knew everything, or at least he'd tell you that he did. Um, This friend got me in trouble. I don't even know if my mom who's here will remember some of these stories. He was just a little bit older than me, and he was like super sure that he knew everything. And I was like, okay, well, he knows everything, I guess. I'll roll with it. I remember we were washing cars one time at my mom's business. And we washed some of the staff's cars, and he was like, hey, let's wax the cars, we can charge more. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, that makes sense, like, it's like upsell, you know, I know kind of what that means. And so we, like, sprayed water from a distance, and he's like, done, it's waxed. I was like, don't we need, like, something else to go on it? He's like, nah, bro, like, you spray it from farther and it's waxed. And I was like, oh, okay, so then I went to like, talk to the staff, and I was like, hey, by the way, we waxed your car, it's an extra whatever, I don't know. I didn't know that we didn't wax it, she came out and she's like, D- I don't think he waxed it, and I was like, no, we waxed it, Jake said we waxed it. <laughs> we had not waxed the car. He's also the same friend that, uh, you know, when we would be hired to work hourly, I'll never forget the first time I got fired from my mom's business, um, we were out back raking leaves. And do you remember this? I don't know if you remember this. I got fired like three times from my mom's business in my life. Um, <laughs> this was the first. We were raking leaves, and we got paid $5 an hour. And so, like, I don't know, 20 minutes into it, my friend goes, hey, you know if we do this slower, we make more money, right? And I was like, oh. I, I, I guess. That seems weird, though. We should probably just get it done, right? And he's like, no, nah, man. Like, we do it slower, we make more money. And I was like... I don't know, man. And so, like, he was chilling, and I was like raking slow, you know, like, kind of trying to keep it going. My mom came out and was like, Did you guys do anything? And then somehow, I don't remember the whole details, but we got fired. <laughs> First time we got fired. So, my, my friend, though, but here's the, here's the reason I bring these stories up for my, my youth. My friend was so certain that he knew everything that I rolled with it. This was before all the years of being told that I was a leader and not a follower kicked in, evidently. And I just went wherever he went, because it sounded like he knew what he was talking about. But can we be honest and just say that, like, as adults, we do this a lot, too? I've watched a lot of my friends follow people because they seem like they know what they're doing, and they're going to be the loudest person in the room. It's actually a really dangerous person to follow, to be quite honest. Follow the lead of those who are humble and dependent on God. They no one to tell you that they don't have an answer for something. If someone has an answer for everything, it's probably dangerous. You know, when Jesus came to earth, the Jewish people wanted like a warrior king. In fact, when Jesus showed up, they weren't even sure that it was him, most of them, because they wanted someone uh, that would liberate them from the oppression of Rome. And here comes Jesus, humble, quiet, loving, giving, not self seeking, probably not the loudest person in the room, barring maybe one time that a whip was involved. For the most part, probably the quiet, humble hearted person in every situation. Jesus modeled complete humility and faithfulness to the Father. Showing what dependency looked like for 33 years walking in flesh. If you need a road map to what it looks like to serve God and follow him, there's these things called the Gospels, and they're pretty awesome. If you lack the leadership in your life that you want right now, one, I believe the Lord will put people in your path, but two, there's the Gospels right now to study the life of Jesus over and over and over again. John 12, verse 49 says, "'For I did not speak on my own initiative, "'but the Father himself who sent me "'has given me a commandment "'as to what to say and what to speak. "'I know that his commandment is eternal life. "'Therefore, the things I speak, "'I speak just as my Father has told me.'" Jesus was completely dependent on the Father, So, back to my drafting story. In closing, keep this short tonight. Do you know what happens when you leave the draft behind the truck? One, you become the person who decides where you're going instead of the one that you were following. Two, you take on the full force of the wind by yourself. Three, When the wind is strong, it sways you off course. Anyone been around the last two nights or three nights? Four, you rely on your own power. When you turn the engine back on and take back over. So how do we stay in this place? You stay small. The only reason, because many times that I've thought about this story, I was like, how does that work? I don't think my truck would do that. A truck wouldn't do that. But a little VW bug would do that. Because it's small. Because it doesn't carry a bunch of baggage and extra things. You can't carry your ego and follow Jesus well. You have to stay small. You have to stay close. And you have to stay dependent. In the New Testament... Jesus doesn't really talk much about singing, which bums me out, because I love to sing and worship. In fact, I don't know that he actually ever talks about singing. I'm sure he does it, but it's not like a topic of conversation for him. You know what he talks about all the time? Is following. Jason Upton said, our worship must be an expression of following. So how do we live constantly submitted to God's leadership? We stay children. And this is one of the perplexing things about scripture that almost sounds like a contradiction. When Paul says that I move on from the milk to the meat of the word. And also Jesus says that you need to come to me like a child. We both grow in maturity, but if we don't equally grow in dependence, we outgrow our need for God and take it on by ourselves. So staying dependent is the goal. And my heart, honestly, is that we would host him humbly. That we would come with our brokenness, that we would come with our lack and invite the Holy Spirit to fill it and to move in and through us. The latter part of Isaiah 66 two says, But to this one I will look to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. So glad you joined us for this podcast today, friend. We pray that it brought you life and encouragement to your walk with the Lord. For more teachings, music, dance, or to give financially to the ministry and mission of Breath of Heaven, visit breathofheaveninc.org. That's breathofheaveninc.org. And if you are anywhere near Jamestown, Tennessee, definitely come join us on a Friday night for community worship nights. We'll see you in the next one.